What is without the box thinking? So without the box thinking is my framework for thinking, or if you will, thinking about thinking. So maybe it gets a bit hairy, but I always come back to this idea that it's inspired by that quote, you know, think outside the box, that cliche, you know, think outside the box, which is meant to be a call to action for creativity. And I got to a point where I wasn't satisfied with that because I thought that outside the box was still contingent on the box. By that, I mean, it still relies on the same premise. It relates to the conversation we've just been having about school as one of my favorite examples. Everyone's trying to improve school by having, you know, whatever longer break times, um, you know, is it more holidays? Is it more of this subject versus that subject? They're making cosmetic small item changes, but uh, something like school, I would suspect that actually it's the whole premise that is wrong. So you've got box thinking. If an idea or a way of thinking about something is represented by a box, a box has obviously fixed lines. You're outside the box, which you can imagine is all the people who look at the box and go, this is not right, but they're still very influenced by the assumption. So they're circling it. They're trying to make changes to the garden without changing the house, so to speak. And then you've got without the box, which is actually taking away the box and all the assumptions for a while and looking back at fundamentally what needs to happen here. Remove the assumption that what we've done is necessary. Uh, personal examples have been when we're doing nonprofit work. Uh, you know, we, we came into Nepal, Nick Abraham led this project. I was slightly involved, Scott McEwen was slightly involved and many others. And we're working on this school in the community um, and rebuilding it because of the earthquake. I spent a lot of money working on this project. And because Nick didn't have workers, because it was this mountainous rural area of Nepal, he got locals and he trained them in construction so that he could use their help to actually build this school for their children. Now, the school's obviously meant to solve a problem. And the question is, what's that problem? So we thought, well, you know, jobs in Nepal is a bit of a problem, right? These people being able to get jobs because they have to go overseas to work. They have to leave their families. So that was the, obviously the point, supposedly, of an education. But then when we were doing our research, we found that about a quarter of people in the community already went to university. When I showed a donor that, he questioned it. He said, double check that, doesn't sound right. Because everyone thought a quote unquote poor community in Nepal, that that number sounded way too high. When I asked people to guess how many people in that sort of community go to university, most people guess none, 5% tops, a quarter. So we thought, what is that? We verified it, it was correct. The story was they were going to university, getting business administration degrees, but then overall, you have this overall problem in Nepal of not enough jobs. So people are getting degrees going into a market where there's no, no jobs. So then they still have to go overseas to find work. Now, there are no abundance. Uh, there are no, sorry, no small amount of charities all over the world building schools. And I can't say to you that every community is the same as the one we were working in. But what is the point of building a better school if the children will go on to graduate and go to university anyway, but still not be able to find jobs. You can build the school a bit better. You can build the school a bit taller. You can be a bit without outside the box, but the assumption was actually, how do you actually make jobs? That's the problem. 
what we found within what by accident was that Nick created jobs overnight, or not overnight, but in a matter of weeks with the construction, with building things. He trained people in the community. So a lot of people might've sat there. We were lucky because we were so fresh and raw in what we were doing. We hadn't built this identity of years of we build schools, we build schools. We're going to build 400 schools this year. How can you be the organization building 400 schools this year and think without the box? And go, sorry, everyone, the millions or billions you've donated was probably a waste. We probably should have been setting up companies to employ people. But in the end, that's what we did. We shut down the organization, the nonprofit, and we actually focused, Nick focused on creating this construction business and employed 25 to 35 people who they no longer had to go overseas necessarily to work. They could stay and spend bigger chunks of their lives with their families. And so without the box, we're left with things, assumptions over time and they become ingrained in culture and then people keep doing them or they think we should keep doing them. And this is the basis for innovation. That over time, this, this large gap for disruption comes, whether it's Uber, whether it's Airbnb, there's this gap between the assumption and the reality. And that's what people like Elon Musk and Einstein, these first principle thinkers, they can come and think without the box and, and actually based on. So the relation of this to this podcast is that thinking about thinking is important because how do we cultivate people to think without the box? It's, it's hard, you know, it's not easy.